wonderful to be in the Lord's house today. We're so grateful for you being here, and we're grateful that God has blessed us with this beautiful, beautiful music this morning. I, I just had a wonderful time rejoicing in the Lord as we sang about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The service may feel a little long this morning, because according to the clock, in six minutes we'll go into spring. So you got here in the wintertime and you didn't leave till spring, okay? <laughs> I believe you'll be able to put up with it today. Take your Bibles today and turn with us to the book of Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to begin reading in verse 32 down through verse 38. So would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God? Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 32, says this, And as they came out, they found a man of serene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Father, we stand in your presence this morning to give you praise, to give you glory, give you honor and adoration that you and you alone are God. We thank you, Father, for the privilege just to be in your house today. And we love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will have his way in each heart and in each life, that you will be magnified, that you will be exalted, and Lord, that souls will be touched through the gospel today. Father, we pray if there's one here among us that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, one listening. Lord, we pray today that you would touch their heart, help them to realize their condition before you, and help them to come, Lord, today confessing their sins and pouring out their life before you, Father, and you will make them a new creature. We praise you for that. Thank you for every person who is here today. Thank you for those who are listening by means of radio and through the internet. Father, we pray that you will minister to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And be seated, please. We're continuing preaching about what it costs Jesus to purchase the church. We have been through quite a road with him for the past several months as he taught us about what the church is all about. And in these last few weeks, we've been studying about his last few hours here before he was crucified and the price that he had to pay in order that we could know him and live a life free from sin and live a life that glorifies him and be the church that he has called us to be. We've come today to where he has been tried six times in a few hour period, wasn't found guilty of anything, 
but yet the sentence has been passed that he is to be crucified. This passage of scripture that we have read today, uh, in some people's language, it's called the Via Dolorosa, or the way of suffering. And it pictures what happened between the beatings and, and the cruel punishment that Jesus had already gone through in his trials to him being taken outside of town and nailed to a tree, nailed to a cross, and crucified there. We're going to take it just a little bit at a time today and, and look at this, and I hope that we all grasp what the Lord is doing and has done for us. Verse 32 says, And as they came out, they, speaking of the soldiers and of Jesus, he had been in the city of Jerusalem when all of his trial and all of the other uh, persecution he had gone through was happening there. But according to the Old Testament scriptures, he was to be crucified outside of town. And they were leading him out that way. He, he came out of the praetorium and he heads out of the city. There is the way of the cross that you'll find even to today in Israel. The points where Jesus fell under the weight of his cross and where he had to stop and so many things happened that they've, they've called that the way of the cross. And tourists still look at those signs as they pass through that city. We see this meandering route the picture that we see here is of a Roman soldier riding on a probably a white stallion, leading the way. Just immediately behind him, there was a herald who followed and he shouted out the charges against the condemned person following him. We see Jesus carrying his cross. There was a small detachment of soldiers and the criminal had to carry his cross up and down and through the streets of the city. This took a meandering route. It wasn't the most direct route, but they wanted everybody to see him. This was done as a living lesson to the citizens of the city that crime does not pay. This is what's going on as it says, and they led him out. Notice what happens there in verse 32. They found a man of serene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. John tells us something that the rest of the writers in the New Testament does not tell us. He tells us in John chapter 19 and verse 17, that Jesus went forth bearing his cross. Somewhere between there and the end of that meandering route, Jesus fell under the weight of that cross. Remember, he had been beaten within an inch of his life. He had been up all night. He had been through six different trials. He hadn't had anything to eat. He hadn't had anything to drink. He was bleeding profusely from the beatings that he had taken. And he falls under the weight of that cross. They compel this man called Simon of Serene 
Now, Serene is in Libya. This man perhaps was a Jew who had come from Libya to celebrate Passover. He had two sons with him, according to another place in the Bible. One of them's name was Rufus, and the other one, Alexander. We find in the book of Acts where that Rufus had become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find his name mentioned there. They compel Simon to take that cross. He puts it upon his shoulder, no doubt, and began to walk, perhaps behind Jesus as he went out. And verse 33 says, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, outside the wall of, of the old Jerusalem city, there is a place out there that they took criminals, and they crucified them on that place. And it was called a place of the skull for more than one reason. One reason is that it looks like a skull. You can still visit that place today. And when you stand back and look at the side of that hill, it's a rock outcropping there that just has the shape and the form of a skull. And it was up on top of this where they would take the criminals and crucify them there. It was near the road because they wanted the visitors who came to Jerusalem to know this is what will happen to you if you break the law. And they were taking Jesus there to that place. Matthew calls it Golgotha. And some of the other scriptures it's called Calvary. Either one. It means a place of a skull. There were many skulls laying around up there because many times the criminals that were hung on the crosses would die on those crosses. And they had no family to come and take them down. And the soldiers would just leave their bodies hanging there. Pretty soon after the birds picked the bones clean, they fell off. And there were just bones laying everywhere, skulls laying everywhere up there. This is where Jesus was taken. Verse 34 says, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. They were trying to be compassionate. This vinegar, sour wine that was mingled with gall, which was a painkiller. They offered that to Jesus, but notice he refused it. When we sing that song about he suffered for me, he suffered it all. He didn't have anything to dull the pain. He would not drink. Verse 35 says, and they crucified him. We need to understand what that term crucified means. It was not a pretty sight. The victim would have his hand stretched out on a crossbar. They would drive spikes through probably about right here. The Bible calls it his hands, but that's an extension of your hand. 
They would drive those spikes through there. He stretched out like this. They would place his feet on a little stool down toward the bottom of that cross. And they would drive a spike through his feet. They would strip him of his clothes. He would hang before the crowd there naked for all of the world to see. I know the pictures that we see of Jesus hanging on the cross because of modesty. The artists have painted a loincloth around his waist. But that was not so in the real crucifixion. He hung there naked in shame before the world. They crucified him. They would take that cross. They would stand it up and drop it down into a hole. It's about nine o'clock in the morning when this is taking place. He's been up all night. He's been through six trials. He's been beaten within an inch of his life. And here he hangs on that cross. And there was a cruelty to that because you see as you hang like this, your diaphragm pulls up and it forces the air out of your lungs. They would bend their knees just a little bit so that they could straighten their knees and get a breath of air. And then as their diaphragm once again forced the air out of their lungs. They would do that, raising up, getting a breath of air, and then slumping back down until they couldn't do it anymore. And they would die of suffocation. It says they crucified him and parted his garments. They took his clothes, the garments that he had on, he had a robe, the Bible tells us, that was woven from the top throughout. It didn't have any seams in it. And that was the biggest thing that he owned. They took what he had and began to gamble for it. The soldiers around the cross there, they cast lots to see who would get what piece of his clothing they were gambling for his clothing. The Bible says, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. This was spoken of in the Old Testament. Fulfilling scripture, everything that Jesus did was fulfilling scripture. He was doing what he, what he was sent here to do. To die for my sins and your sins. And the Bible says in sitting down, they watched him there. The soldiers, they all take a seat. The crowd that had followed out there, they all take a seat. They sit there and watch for him to die. Sometimes it would take days for someone to die on a cross like that. But they were sitting there watching him, staring at him. No doubt 
poking fun at him. The Bible tells us over in another place, let me turn quickly to it, to Luke chapter 23. I was about to leave this out. But the Bible says that there were a group of women there that day. Luke 23, verses 27 through 31. I should have put this in while he was coming out to the cross. It says, and there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. They were crying. They loved Jesus. It hurt them to see him suffering. Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say unto the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done? in a dry. Jesus speaks to these women. They're gambling for his clothes. They're watching, watching him. Verse 37. They set over his head his accusation written. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Every criminal that was crucified, they would have that accusation. The charges that had been made against them was nailed upon that cross. The Bible tells us in one place that when they wrote this out upon that board that they would nail upon that cross there, that the Jews came and said, don't say that he is the king of the Jews. Say, he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. And what he had written, when you read it in all four of the Gospels and put it together, it says, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So he's proclaimed here that he is the King of the Jews. They asked Jesus about that. That's what he had been accused of, that he had said that he was the king of the Jews. Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? He told him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. But he had been convicted of that. And then in verse 38, then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. Those two thieves, Matthew doesn't tell us what happened to them, but another passage of Scripture does. As Jesus is hanging there on that cross and over on his right hand and on his left, those two thieves, they're also on a cross. You see, it was a triple crucifixion there that day. People were crying out and saying, if you're who you say you are, come down off of the cross and we'll believe you. One of those thieves looked over at his other brethren and he said, we deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he looked at Jesus. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked over at him and says some of the sweetest words ever written. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. One of those thieves trusted Jesus while on that cross, on his, on his we might we would call it today, on his deathbed. Although it was not a bed. But in his dying hours, he trusted Jesus. The other one said, if you'll come down off the cross, then I'll believe you. You see, when we put stipulations on what we'll do in order for Jesus to save us, we're blocking our own salvation. Jesus did it all. He paid it all. And it's all to him that we owe. Crucified between the two thieves. I remember when I was a child, there was a little lady in our church. I I never did know her first name. I always just called her Miss Miller. She would sing occasionally in the worship services. And there was always one song that she would sing. I never heard her sing another song in all my life. But the last time I heard her sing it, they had to help her up to the pulpit. She was getting so feeble. And she sung a song that was written by Thomas Shepard and George Allen back years and years ago. And it said, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. The second verse of that song says, The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me. The last verse of that song says, O precious cross, O glorious crown, O resurrection day, ye angels from the stars come down and take my soul away. I remember her standing there and singing that with tears flowing down her cheeks. And it made an impact on my life. Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I thought about Simon of Serene. He had made a long journey to come to Jerusalem. He had come there that day to observe the Passover. I don't think he thought that he would be carrying someone's cross out to Golgotha, but he did. Those soldiers confiscated him and made him carry that cross. And I think about myself and my own life. 
Do I really deny myself? Do I really put Jesus first in everything? Do I really deny myself? Do I really take up my cross daily and follow Him? So many days we're consumed with everything else. We've got to run here. We've got to go there. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We come down at the end of the day and we wonder, have we really made an impact on anyone's life today, pointing them to Jesus? Has anyone seen Jesus in me today? And I'll just have to be honest with you. Many times I just have to say, Lord, forgive me. Instead of denying self, I've been selfish. I've lived for self. We're going to pause in our study of this crucifixion at this point today. I want to ask you this. Jesus took up that cross and he was nailed to it. He hung there, he bled, and he died. He gave his life that you and I might be saved. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. With the heart, well, got it mixed up. But we believe in our heart. And we call upon Jesus and ask Him to come into our life and be our Lord and our Savior. And we confess Him with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord. Has that happened in your life? The Bible says in Acts 2, 38 and 39, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I believe he's tugging on some hearts here today. He's calling to your heart. He's calling to come and follow him. Our invitation hymn is going to be a little different today. We're going to watch a, a video of Sandy Patty singing the Via Della Rosa. And after this prayer that we have, we're going to ask you to stand and if you'd like to sing along with her in that, but it'll be our invitation hymn as soon as the prayer is finished. So Blaine, if you'll be ready with that. But let's stand together today and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning to just bless your name, to give you praise, to give you glory, to give you honor and adoration that you and you alone are God. 
Thank you, Jesus, for suffering our shame. Thank you for covering our sin with your blood. Thank you for giving your life that we might live. Oh, Father, today, I pray if there's one in our midst today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that they'll come running to you today, repenting of their sin and trusting you, letting you be Lord in their life. And Father, those of us who are saved, help us to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray.